On the Virtual Bible Studies tonight, we want to talk about speaking in tongues. Are we ready to go here? We're ready. Okay, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, something that I think is really interesting. It's a practice that some religious groups engage, the idea of speaking in tongues, speaking in a language or tongue that you have not known. What what The Bible speaks about that. What was it? How was it practiced? And can people do it today? That's the kind of things we want to talk about in our study tonight. All right. It's going to be a good discussion. We're getting started on it right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 20th, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Kyle's behind the controls tonight. Kyle, welcome to the program. Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, look forward to hearing from you tonight, Kyle. And look forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching us live tonight, sign in in the chat room and chat with other listeners. If you're listening to us in the archive, we welcome you. We're glad that you're listening. But we really want to hear from you, even though it is after the fact. If you have a question or comment about something you hear, or you just would like to uh, ask a question for a future discussion on the program, we want to hear from you at questions at collegeview.com. We actually love listener questions. We don't shy away from them. We invite them, and we think that our program is good and better when we can deal with things that our listeners themselves have said interest them. So send it in. We want to hear from you. We've got some bumper stickers. If you'd like to help us spread the word. Send us your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com, and we'll get those in the mail to you free of charge. Tell us how many you want, and uh, help us spread the word while you're sitting in traffic on the way to work uh, in the mornings. Uh, you can help uh, spread the word about the virtual Bible study. That's right. We'd love to. We'd love for your to get your help getting the word out. Yeah, we want to use a little bit of your bumper there, or maybe your back window of your car. You don't have to put it on the paint, put it on the window. Get tired of it, scrape it off, throw it away. And no harm is done. And remember, we are starting to, to the build up to our annual community Bible study here in Columbia, Tennessee. And we want to get people to mark your calendars. If you're anywhere close at all to Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you come and participate with us on Monday and Tuesday, July 22nd and 23rd. So that's coming up real soon. It's just a little over four weeks away. Um, so mark your calendars and plan to join us. We're going to have our theme for study this year is God, family, country. Mm-hmm. And Wilson Adams from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, will be speaking for us and teaching and leading us in a discussion of those important topics. We think that's really pertinent. Uh, our families are uh, under attack, really, in, in our present culture. Uh, and our country, uh, we think the, the spiritual well-being of our country is greatly in jeopardy. There's just a lot to talk about. God, family, country. July 22nd, 23rd, uh, at the Memorial Building in Columbia, which is a, a easy to find, uh, public auditorium near downtown, right off the square in downtown Columbia. So as they say, be there or be square. July 22nd, 23rd. I'm trying to sound like that guy who advertises the drag races or the tractor pulls. Oh, well, <laughs> keep trying, I guess. All right. But you do want to be there. It'll be, it's better than a tractor pull. Oh, right. yeah. Way better. All right. And you don't have to wear earplugs. No, that's right. Okay, well, tonight the discussion is about the speaking of tongues. A lot of people in the religious world today believe that uh, they, uh, the gift of speaking in tongues still, still occurs today. Uh, we'll look at that and see what the Scriptures teach. Yeah, earlier today to our update list, we sent out some questions for your consideration and to get people started thinking about what we're going to discuss tonight. The questions were these. Number one, what was the gift of tongues? Number two, what was their purpose? And more generally, what was the purpose of all the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit? Number three, can people still perform miraculous gifts of the Spirit today, including tongue speaking, of course? If Yes or no, why or why not? Number four, if you take the position that these gifts have ended, how would you answer 
when someone says, didn't Paul command forbid not to speak in tongues? Oh, boy, yeah. And also, if tongues have ceased, why hasn't knowledge ceased? Because the uh, a verse that we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, mentions tongues ceasing, but also mentions knowledge ceasing. Yes. So if tongues have ceased, has knowledge ceased? Mm-hmm. And then finally, if tongue speaking, as described in the Bible, doesn't happen today, how do you explain what is happening by those who still claim to have the power? A lot of people say, you know, tongue speaking or working in miracles is still occurring today because, hey, I saw it. I saw it. I did it. Or I did it. Yeah. So how do you explain that? And that uh, so so we're going to I think probably everybody who's listening knows the position we're going to take. We're going to take the position that tongue speaking, as described in the New Testament, does not happen today. And so we're going to we're going to go through the lines of reasoning that lead us to that conclusion from the scripture. But then at the end, we want to we want to address the people who say, hey, listen, I go to a church and lots of people speak in they tongues. break out in it all the time. I have seen it. I have done it. How do you explain it? Okay. Okay. So then we'll try to do that at the end of the program. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you speak in tongues, maybe give us a call and... Speak some of that to us. All right. So here's the first question. What was the gift of speaking in tongues? Um, I think that the the best explanation of what it was is found in Acts chapter 2, where we see the first occurrence of it happening. So just real quickly, if you look at Acts, in the book of Acts chapter 1, Jesus, of course, resurrected from the dead. And uh, he assembled himself uh, with his, he was assembled with his apostles. And he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For, do, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Yes. So he said, you, you apostles, you wait in Jerusalem and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It won't be many days from now. Ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, in chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, verse 1, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there they were speaking tongues. Okay, that's it. So we know this is exactly that. This this is the legitimate deal right here. This this is the real occurrence of tongue speaking. Now, it says in verse 5, There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and, and in the parts of Libya round about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed. Now, I think that I don't know how you could read that and not say, okay, speaking in tongues definitely happened. But notice, every man heard them speak in his own language. They ask, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And it says, they heard them, verse 11, they heard them speak in our tongue. We heard them speak in our tongues. So clearly the speaking in tongues as it occurred there and recorded in Acts chapter 2 was the speaking of known languages. Now what was amazing about that is even stated in the text. People who heard it were amazed. How do these guys, how can they do that? They are all from Galilee. They're Galileans. And how do they speak in all these various, and it gives a long list of all the nationalities that were present. How do they all, how do they know how to speak in the language in which we were born? So there's just no doubt about it that here the speaking in tongues was a was speaking in a known language not known to the speaker but he was empowered miraculously to be able to speak so that a native speaker of that tongue could understand what he was saying. Right. 
So, I, I, I mean, you want to know what tongue speaking in the New Testament was? There's the first and clearest example. It's not the only, it's only, not the only reference to speaking tongue, but it's definitely the clearest explanation of what was taking place. All right. Now, it does, uh, so if you were of that nationality, you would hear them speaking your own tongue. But that wasn't always the case in the churches when they were speaking in tongues. Uh, there were uh, there were people who were endowed with the ability to interpret those tongues uh, in First Corinthians chapter uh, thir- uh, chapter or 14. twelve. Uh, Four, Fourteen. Well, well, chapter twelve says, "Have all gifts of healing. Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret?" So, not everybody spoke in tongues. That that text proves that not every Christian did. Some did. Some did. Not all. But then there was also this accompanying gift to be able to interpret those. Uh, it appears exactly right. And in chapter fourteen, uh, uh, Paul Paul was basically in this in this whole section twelve, thirteen, fourteen. He was dealing with some abuses in the Corinthian church, and there was actually some contention in the church about the miraculous gifts, about who had the better gifts and so forth. And and so Paul had to lay down some rules for how you use these miraculous gifts in your assemblies. And he said in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 27, If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So, obviously here in Corinth, in the city of Corinth, this was not like it was on Pentecost where there were all different nationalities and speakers present. In Corinth, this was just a local church. Everybody there would have spoken the same native language. And so, when someone spoke in tongues there, they needed to have... And an associated miraculous gift of being able to interpret. For instance, if someone in Corinth spoke the language of the Parthians, nobody there knew Parthian. So there had to be an associated gift of interpreting. So I think the languages were always known languages. There weren't always native speakers of those languages present. But they were speaking known languages. So this gets us to uh, really some stark contrast with what we see in the religious world today as it comes to the the idea of speaking in tongues. You see a lot of this speaking in tongues today that is exactly the opposite. In fact, in direct violation of what the scriptures teach about that. Yeah. Number one, you see people who apparently can't, they say they can't control it. That the spirit just moves on them and their mouth is just unleashed and they can't control it. These people here were told to control it. They could stop and start it when they when they were. Yeah, they said only two or three in your assemblies. Let only two or three do it, and let them take take turns right. doing it. And then he goes and later in a couple few verses later. He he says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, this this holy the the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit didn't overwhelm them. They didn't get slain in it. They they it didn't cause them to be lose their own self-control. And then later in the same text, he famously says, let all things be done decently and in order. So even when you're exercising miraculous gifts, keep it orderly. And you need to survey the audience. Is there someone here who can interpret? If not, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, so so they, they could ask, is there anybody here who speaks, like on the day of Pentecost, uh, are there any here, are there any Parthians here? Uh, no Parthians. Well, are there, is there anybody empowered to translate what what's, this appears to be the language of the Parthians? Is there anyone here who can translate the language of the Parthians by, by miraculous power? No. There's no native speakers. There's no miraculous interpreters. Zip it. Keep it quiet. You yep. don't talk. Yep. That's the way they did it. It's pretty straightforward. And it was something that could be interpreted. We, that's something else we see in the religious world. People today, you're just speaking gibberish. The audience, no, there's no one there who could tell you what that person said, nor could the person who said it. It's just gibberish. and It's not what we see in the first century. Exactly. I want to talk a little bit more about that when we get to the end. How do you explain what they are doing? I've got some interesting insights on that. We'll, talk, we'll save that to the last. All right.
you know, it's we're past time for a break. So uh, we're going to keep silent here for a minute and get a break. And when we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Uh, when you get to the question you asked, what was the gift of the tongues? We got an answer from Kent on that. And then uh, we need to get into their purpose. You know, yeah. it seems a little bit unusual that this would be a, a miraculous gift. What was the purpose of that? The scriptures explain that. I think so. All right, we'll get to that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Here's some quotes we're pondering. The question in life is not whether you get knocked down. You will. The question is, are you ready to get back up and fight for what you believe in? The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. The true disciple is obedient rather than ambitious, committed rather than competitive. For him, nothing is more important than pleasing the one who called him. It's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. You must have long-range goals to keep you from being frustrated by short-range failures. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, uh, and we're talking about speaking in tongues. What was the purpose of the gift of uh, speaking in tongues is what's up next. But uh, we asked the question, what was the gift of tongues? And Kent says the gift of tongues was a miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit, enabling one to speak in a language or languages that they had not studied. He references Acts 2, verses 4 through 11. Yeah. You know, he always that's... says it a little bit more succinctly than we do. I know. He right, just right cuts to the right point. to the chase, and he's done. That's great. Uh, right to the again. point, yeah. All right. All right, so the next question is, what was the purpose, anyway? Uh, what was the purpose of tongue speaking? What was the purpose of, really, in general, what was the purpose of all the gifts of the Spirit? Well, I want to take you back to Acts 2 again, and notice what happened when the apostles began speaking in tongues. Uh when this was verse 6, they started speaking in tongues. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. It says, uh, that, it says that they were all amazed and said to one another, what meaneth this? So, you, right there, the first time tongue speaking was practiced, you get the idea. It, a crowd assembled. These, these men are doing something amazing. How are they doing that? We need to we need to find out about this, and so it it drew attention to the apostles, and it provided them a confer, a, a sign and confirmation that God was working through them. And Peter went on to say, as as Peter began to address their questions, he said, "This verse sixteen of Acts two, this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel." It shall come to pass, saith, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And so on the text goes. Peter says what's happening here is fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And these are miraculous signs. This is the outpouring of the Spirit. This is God working in us to reveal himself to mankind. And so you see that there in Acts 2 on the very first occurrence when speaking in tongues happened. You see that it was uh, God showing his power and showing that uh, he had a message for these people. And then Peter connects it back with the Old Testament prophecies saying, what you're seeing now, this is proof 
that what you're seeing now is what has been prophesied throughout time. This is this connects this fact that they were speaking in tongues connects the the actions that were going on there with the prophecies. It was a visible connection to the Old Testament prophecies. I think you're exactly right. Okay. Jesus had promised uh, in Mark 16, beginning verse 17, Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. New to them, obviously. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So that all of those gifts, including speaking in tongues, were for them to to confirm the message that they were preaching. You think about that. These fellows were going to go, and others as well, who were in power of the Spirit. They were going to go all over the world. They're going to come into a new city and say, hey, I want to tell you something about a man named Jesus Christ. He was crucified. He was buried. Three days later, he was resurrected. And we are his disciples, and we're living as he teaches. And they say, you want us to believe that? That the Romans crucified a guy and he didn't stay dead? That's crazy. I'm not, I'm not believing that. But if they could work a miracle... It caused people to step back and say, wait a minute, i got to give yeah. some consideration to what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just imagine that Kyle blows into town. You know, We don't know Kyle. I know he, I mean, he looks sort of reputable, but he starts telling me, you know, you can't be cheating on your taxes. You can't be lying. I don't know about that. You think it's? You think he's telling me the truth? I can't be lying? You think that's really what God doesn't, he doesn't want me to lie? What if he said, hey, what about that spot on your hand over there? I, and, he, and he touches it and he heals it. Well, then, then you've got to start stop wait a minute. consider what there he has to say. There might be something to this. Yeah. Right. That's exactly how it worked in the first okay. century. Hebrews chapter 2. The Hebrew writer says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was, notice, was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, but with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So they spoke. They began to, they were telling what they had been told by the Lord and God bore witness to their testimony by the signs which they were able to do. It's very clear that tongue speaking and all the gifts of the Spirit were for the purpose of confirming the revelation of God. Mark 16, verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with the signs following. And then you reference Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. And so God was bearing witness that what these people are saying is true. This is what I want you to hear. This is what I want you to know. This is the message from me by the signs that they were working. Exactly right. Okay. So the question is, what was their purpose? Their purpose was to confirm the revelation of God's truth to mankind. This is a brand new thing. You know, we've grown up. We've had our Bibles. We've always had a Bible our whole lifetime. People for 2,000 years have had the New Testament, nearly 2,000 years. But when it was, but when this was happening, it was brand new stuff. Nobody had ever heard that before. You can't just tell me that. You're going to have to prove it to me. And the miracles were the proof. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, because, you know, these these apostles, they would have looked like normal, everyday people. You know, they didn't look like these pictures that uh, you might see in a in a in some kind of church uh, mural somewhere where they're standing there sort of with their fingers together holding uh, up and they yeah. got a dove in one hand. Maybe. Yeah. They didn't look like that. They look like they look like us, Kyle. So how am I going to know what they're saying is true? Well, God's working miracles. They didn't go around with kind of a little halo glow. Oh, right. They didn't glow. Yeah. No, they did not glow. All right. All right. So Kent says, in answer to this question, all right, again, our question was, what was the purpose of tongue speakings and all the miracles? Kent says, as in all case, is, as in all cases of the miraculous gifts of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues was the, for the purpose of confirming God's truth. He references Mark 16, 17 through 20, which we did. He said, it is interesting to note on the day of Pentecost, Jews were in Jerusalem from all over the known world. There were two things that they all had in common, knowledge of the Hebrew and Greek languages. 
They knew Hebrew by means of their past religious instruction. They knew the Hellenistic or Koine Greek because of its universal usage. The case being that the apostles of Christ preached in the various known languages that were unknown to the apostles served as a demonstration of the miraculous activity that produced confirmation of the word of God and the veracity of the gospel that was preached. And he again references Acts 2, 7 through 11. You know, that's true. In Jerusalem on that day, you would not have had to speak all those foreign languages because the Jews there present would have likely all known Hebrew and common Greek because common Greek was the universal language of the world of that day. And and so them speaking in languages that they didn't even have to speak in clearly was done to serve as a sign or proof to the people who were assembled on Pentecost. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. That's uh, it's clearly from the scriptures. Now, we're not. That's, that's not our opinion. That's not our think-sos. Now, a lot of people will, will make claims as to why miracles existed then or maybe why even miracles exist today. What, what's the scripture for, the, the, for the, the purpose of those? We've shown the scripture for the purpose of the miracles. Of the first I, I, I think that's a good question. So if you are such a person who believes that you have the ability to speak in tongues, maybe they, uh, the, uh, the church or denomination that you attend practices that, and you have observed it. Maybe you are one who feels that you have done it. So we're going to talk about that in a minute, maybe how to explain what's actually happening. But before we even go there, let us ask you the question, what's the purpose? Why do you speak in tongues? What what does it? What purpose does it serve? Are you revealing new truth and therefore it needs confirmation? Is God telling new things to mankind through you? And therefore, like the apostles, you needed they, what they were saying was new. Is what you were is what you're saying new, and therefore needs confirmed, like their word needed confirmed. I, I've never heard anybody say that, and I and I, in fact, I think most of the people would would adamantly deny that that yeah. they're they're not teaching new truth. Well, what are you doing then, and for what purpose? For what purpose? I mean, and you, and you can make a lot of reasons. Well, it's it helps me, or it's encouraging to other people. Where's the scripture that says that you need to be doing that for the purpose you state that it's there? We need the scripture. We've shown the scripture as to why it occurred in the first century. Why does it occur today? Yeah. All right. Let's grab our break. And when we come back, we got the biggest, the, the, the I, I suppose the most in-depth part of our discussion will be question three. Can people still perform miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit today? including tongue speaking, why or why not? Obviously, we're going to take the position that all of the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit have have ceased. Men are not performing gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit, miraculous gifts. We're going to explain why we think the Bible plainly teaches that that, that ability no longer exists. You're just sort of sore because you don't, you can't work miracles. You're just sort of jealous of those people. <laughs> actually not. You know, you know, somebody says, oh, boy, that'd be great if we could... No, we have it better because we're going to point out that the miraculous gifts were for the time of infancy and incomplete understanding. We have the we have complete knowledge of what God wants us to know. We're in a privileged position, actually. We're in a better spot. Yeah. All right. We're going to get a break. Get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we're going to continue the discussion and we'll take your comments. Send them in now. We're back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. A highway billboard down the road advertises for a local restaurant. Along with promises of good home cooking and friendly service is the proclamation, Open forever. This caught our eye. It was not the typical open 24 hours per day or open seven days per week. This was a far bolder claim. Forever, as you know, is a very long time. While we may chuckle at and even appreciate the originality of the folks at the restaurant, we know and surely they know that nothing in this world is forever. James wrote, Come now, ye who say today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. Yea, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanisheth away. Sadly, too many of God's own children, who are supposed to know better, still act as though their plans, their activities, their very lives will go on forever. 
These Christians become totally involved with their work, their recreation, making money, having fun, and so forth. In the process, they woefully neglect their spiritual service to God. Can it be that they have forgotten that nothing here is forever? Jesus told of a successful businessman who said to himself, I have much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. He imagined that his prosperity could last forever. But God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 16. There are many today who still need this lesson. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we would encourage you, if you've never been there, to check it out, where you can also find a link to watch our services live, should you be able to do that. Or in the archives, you can catch the sermons. Uh, Kyle, you've got them out there. You trim them down to just the sermon, so... You can get right to the, the heart of the matter there if you want to hear the, the sermon that was preached recently at the College of Church of Christ. Yeah, and I've even uh, put together some playlists on there so you can go through our... We've had oh, some good studies on uh, look at the eldership, and we've had, uh, we're have we doing our Corinthian study, our Colossian study now. We did the Ephesians, and so there's, there's a whole bevy of just lessons you can and just go right through. I didn't in. know you were doing that, Kyle. That's cool. So, and then you got a playlist coming on things God hates, too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one on there. It's already started. It's already started. Yeah. So there you go. Our son, the last few Sunday nights, we got two more Sunday nights to go. We're, we're preaching a series from I'm preaching a series to stop using the plural. I'm preaching a series on, on Sunday night from Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen seven things God hates, and uh, so uh, Kyle's putting together a playlist on that, so you can go right straight through all seven lessons. All right, put them up on your big screen at home, and uh, uh, hopefully that's helpful. Thank you, Kyle, for getting that out there. Yeah. And again, we we encourage you. If you've got any questions or comments about anything you've heard or seen. In the virtual Bible study program or now in uh, our sermons uh, or our online Bible classes, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. We, we welcome those who disagree with us. I mean, you, uh, we'll, we, won't, we won't treat you ugly if you disagree. We'd like to have a discussion with you. I was telling someone earlier today, we can ag- agree on the Scriptures. We can have the common understanding if we will study the Scriptures and talk about them. We can come to a common understanding of the Scriptures. Yeah, and we've been disappointed that uh, we've not been able to find even re- religious preachers and teachers who will join us on the virtual Bible study to discuss our differences. I mean, I had to tell you, if, 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 for instance, there was a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian church that had a, a an online program or a TV or radio program, and they and they asked me, would you come speak with us? Just, just, just have a gentlemanly discussion with us about our differences. Man, you couldn't keep me away. I'd be there in a heartbeat. And we, but unfortunately, we can't find people who will. Not very often. We have. We have. But and it's been a good the, while. Over the years, we have. And you can go back if you if you disagree with us. You can go back and, and listen to those discussions to find out that they would just talk about the Bible and the way that we understand it, so we can come to a better understanding. There's there aren't any names that are called. We leave. Almost invariably, people have, have thanked us for allowing them to be part of the program, even though they disagreed with us. We did have one guy hang up on us. He did, but yeah. uh, that was that, that was that was an unusual case. It was unfortunate. Yeah. Well, we weren't being ugly. He just didn't want to talk about what we were talking about. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So the question now is: Can people still perform miraculous gifts? For instance, like speaking in tongues. All right. And, and so I'm going to. This is more a little more technically technical and involved. Takes a little longer to explain. So stick with me. Let me walk us through this. Okay. First, we have to understand how people received the power, the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about miraculous gifts in general, and that includes tongue speaking. One of the ways that people in the first century were empowered to do that was by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We already talked briefly about this, but in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Jesus told the apostles, he says, stay in Jerusalem, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, 
in Acts chapter 2, they, the apostles, were all with one accord in one place. And it says they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. So what happened in Acts 2, we, and, we, and we spent some time detailing the apostles speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2. That was a result of them being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised it to them, and it happened. And the speaking in tongues was just one of the... They performed other miracles. Right. A few chapters later, for instance, Peter's going to raise someone from the dead. He's going to raise Dorcas from the dead. Or the lame man who had never, ever walked. And, and, and yeah, in chapter jumps, 3, he jumps up Peter and, and John are going to heal a man lame who had never walked before. No physical therapy required. He jumps up yeah. and starts walking around. So... Uh, how did they how did they get those powers? How did the apostles get those powers? They got it by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, that was a really rare occurrence, and we only know of one other instance in the New Testament where it happened. And that was in Acts 10, when the first Gentile was converted to Christ. And, and his name was Cornelius. I think everybody remembers that. And uh, Cornelius, Peter went to the household of Cornelius, was instructed by God to go to the household of Cornelius. And as Peter began to preach there, uh, he says in Acts 11, uh, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized water, but she shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Uh, so Peter said, when I started preaching at Cornelius' house, something happened. The Holy Ghost fell on them. But notice, he said, not like it's been happening right along ever since Pentecost. Like last Sunday when we were in church and somebody yeah. got slain in the spirit. He said the only thing he had to compare it to was it fell on them as it did on us apostles at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's, re- he's referencing Acts 2, day of Pentecost. Right. So those are the only two instances that we know of where Holy Spirit baptism occurred. But that's not the only way that people were empowered to do miraculous gifts. Uh, they could do the, you could receive these powers by the laying on of the apostles' hands. The apostles could lay hands on you with the specific purpose of imparting gifts. They did it to men like Stephen and Philip in Acts chapter six, verses five and six. They laid their hands on them. Philip went down, uh, Stephen worked miracles, it says in, in chapter 7. Philip went to Samaria and did miracles, Acts chapter 8. But what's interesting, that case in Acts chapter 8, when Philip was in the city of Samaria, he could work miracles, he did work miracles, but he couldn't pass the gift on further. It required the apostles themselves coming to Samaria and they again laid hands on people and they received the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, you could get Holy Spirit gifts, miraculous gifts, by Holy Spirit baptism or by the laying on of the apostles' hands. Now, here's here's the point of that. Neither one of those mechanisms is available to us today. One of the reasons why we know that gifts have ended is because, obviously, the apostles are not around to lay hands on us. But we also know that there's that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has ceased Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, that there's now just one baptism. Chapter 5 specifies that it's the washing of water by the word. There's just one baptism now. Holy Spirit, no one's being baptized with the Holy Spirit today. It was a very, very rare thing even in the first century. But it's not happening today. Paul says in Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, there's seven things of which there are only one. And one of those seven things of which there are only one, baptism. And the baptism that continues today is the baptism of water for the remission of sins, not Holy Spirit baptism. So one of the arguments we would make as to why gifts have ended is there's no way to get them. The apostles are dead. They can't lay hands on you. Holy Spirit baptism no longer is functional or operational. There's no way to get gifts. So we need to point out again, this is what the scriptures teach. These are the only two ways that we see miraculous gifts being imparted on individuals in the New Testament, with exactly the baptism right. of the Holy Spirit, that happened on the day of Pentecost, and in the case of Cornelius, those are the only two instances recorded of that. And then the only other way that we see it happening is when the apostles laid their hands on people so that they could get the gift of, the mir- of uh, miracles. Reference Acts chapter 8 again. You'll see that it required a trip 
by the apostles from Jerusalem to Samaria for that express purpose. And there was someone there in Samaria who already could work miracles, but he could not pass that gift along. And you remember it got Simon the sorcerer into a heap of trouble when he tried to buy the ability to do what the apostles uh, were doing. He Simon understood it takes an apostle's hands being laid on someone in order to get the gift of the Spirit. Yeah. The miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. So here's one argument then. No way. We couldn't receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit today if we wanted to because the, the means of impartation are gone. Okay. Second argument. The need for them is gone. All right. Explain that one. Okay. I, I, I always like the illustration that I heard years ago. When you're building a building... You use certain aids and helps while you're building. For instance, you put scaffolding up around a building while you're building the building so that the workers can get up and do the things that they need to do. The scaffolding is necessary during the building process, but after the building is built, you take the scaffold down. It's not needed anymore. And I think that's kind of a good way to view miraculous gifts of the Spirit. They, they were needed in the infancy of the church, but once they had fulfilled their purpose, once God's truth was completely revealed and confirmed, Remember, that's what the purpose was, to confirm and reveal the Word of God. Once it was revealed and confirmed, once that purpose was fulfilled, they're not needed anymore. Jesus, to his apostles, said, uh, I have many things to say to you. This is John 16, verses 12 and 13. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you, apostles. He's talking to the apostles. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but he, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Jesus promised the apostles that in their lives, they would be guided to all truth. Peter said it happened. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Peter said it happened. We're not waiting for new truth. Therefore, There's no new truth being revealed. Obviously, therefore, there's no truth needing confirmation. We don't need the gifts of the Spirit. That's what the gifts of the Spirit were for. The purpose has been fulfilled. We don't need them anymore. It's like, take the scaffolding down. We don't need them anymore. Well, let's see what Kent says about it. He says, no individuals cannot perform miracles because of two reasons. Number one. The means of impartation of miraculous gifts is no longer available. Such either uh, such came either by the Holy Spirit baptism, which was limited to the apostles of the house of Cornelius, and ceased by AD 61 or 62 when the epistle of Ephesians had been written, Ephesians 4 verse 5, that one baptism thing you mentioned there, Ephesians 4 verse 5. At this, at this time, there was only one baptism, and it was water baptism in the name of Christ unto the remission of sins, Acts 19 verses 1 through 5. Furthermore, other than the apostles and the house of Cornelius, the only one, uh, the, o- the only way one in the first century could receive a miraculous gift or gifts was by apostolic impartation. Acts 19, verse 6, Acts 8, 14, and 15. We no longer have apostles of Christ among us, therefore miraculous gifts are no longer extant. Uh, the miraculous gifts of the Holy uh, number two, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit were temporary and lasted only until the completion of the final revelation of the New Testament of Christ, Ephesians four eleven through sixteen. The New Testament is complete, therefore, is no longer a there is no longer a need for temporary gifts. Okay, so so Kent mentions the two arguments that I mentioned, and then we can add. I, well, we're out of time for this segment, but real quickly, let's go ahead and cover this. The third argument proving that there are no miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit today is the fact that Paul actually said they were going to end and says when. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning verse 8, he said, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is part shall be done away. We have partial knowledge. When we have perfect or complete knowledge, yeah. the gifts will be taken away. He, he, says they, he says they were going to end. He clearly says that they were going to end, and he tells us when they were going to end. And that's when complete revelation that was given. That word perfect means, means complete, complete. It's a, and it is in opposition with something that's partial. Yeah. So they had partial knowledge, but when they had complete knowledge, exactly. it would be done away. And that complete knowledge is revealed in God's Word. So we're not resting on just one argument, but rather three arguments. 
The three arguments are the way you, the way you could get them is not available to us. The need for them doesn't exist anymore. And Paul actually says they were going to end and tells us when. Nobody's doing miraculous gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit today. Ah, but wait a minute. You said the need, that we don't need them anymore, but, you know, there's a lot of people walking around that are sick. You know, he's got a lot of guys, you see, they're walking down the sidewalk, and they're, they've got a leg that's crippled. You know, maybe it's not as long as the other one. Maybe it's bent funny, and well, they're even, limping along. So what about that? Well, even in, in the day when there was the power, miraculous power of healing, for instance, not everyone who... Uh, uh, needed healing god healing in other words it wasn't just miracles weren't for the purpose of healing sick people in general sick people were healed but they but that wasn't it wasn't a thorough of every i don't know what i want to say how i say it. not everybody that needed healing got healing even in the first century because that wasn't the purpose of the miracle the purpose of the miracle of healing was to confirm and reveal god's truth a kind of interesting point in second timothy chapter four uh, verse 20, Paul is writing about some of his co-workers, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. There's one of Paul. Paul was a miracle worker, but even among Paul's co-workers, not all of them received healing in that first century time frame. What about Epaphroditus? He was working with Paul, even working with Paul, and he was almost unto death. Sick unto death. Working with Paul. Now, Paul, why didn't you why didn't you heal him? And then Paul, of course, he had the thorn in the flesh. Paul could have healed himself, you would think. If, if, the, if the purpose of miracles was just to heal people, why were there still sick people in the first century, even right there, Paul's companions? Exactly. That certainly has to call into question the idea that we still need miracles today to heal the sick people. Because that clearly wasn't the purpose of, of miracles in the first century. Exactly right. All right, let's get a break. When we get back, we've got to go fast. The top of the hour, what's next? Well, what about, Paul says, forbid not to speak in tongues. All right. Uh, so let's talk about that. All right, we're going to get a break and get your thoughts on the other side as we go to the top of the hour. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Recent studies have been conducted to assess the impact of violent content in TV programs, films, video games, music, and comic books. Not surprisingly, exposure to media violence was associated with more aggressive behaviors, thoughts, and feelings. In one major study, six to nine-year-olds were surveyed and again surveyed 15 years later, that is, when they were aged 21 through 23. Childhood exposure to TV violence accurately predicted individuals' physical aggression as adults. These relationships between childhood exposure and adult aggression were stronger for those who, as children, had perceived TV violence to be realistic and who had identified with aggressive TV heroes and heroines. That information is via sciencedirect.com. The Word of God says in Proverbs 6, beginning verse 27, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program as we go to the top of the hour, talking about speaking in tongues on the program tonight. And, well, some folks might come back with rebuttal. You say that we don't speak with tongues. Okay, I want to cover this real fast. So you say no tongue speaking, but didn't Paul say, quote, forbid not to speak in tongues? He did. First Corinthians 14, verse 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues. Uh, 
study the context of that chapter, they were actually arguing in Corinth about who has the better gift. I can speak in tongues. Somebody else said, but I can prophesy I'm better than you are. And they were actually fighting over that and having strife in the church over that. And so to people who were empowered with miraculous spiritual gifts, Paul said, don't forbid those who can speak in tongues to speak in tongues. And don't look down upon them. Prophesying is great, but don't forbid people to speak in tongues either. But it was addressed contextually to people who lived in the day and had the power to do both prophesying and speaking in tongues. That doesn't pertain to us. Okay. Then, why, if, if tongues have ceased, according to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, why hasn't knowledge ceased? Remember, it says, charity never faileth, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So the, so the argument being made is, if tongues have ceased, why hasn't knowledge ceased? And the people who ask that question may be surprised with the answer we'll give. We, the answer we'll give is, it has ceased. Ooh, okay. So this knowledge that he's talking about is inspired knowledge. This is not the knowledge that you get from studying what has been revealed. When we read our Bibles and learn the Word of God, that's not the knowledge he has under consideration here. The knowledge that he has under consideration here is the miraculous gift of knowledge that people would know by inspiration things from God that they had not studied. It would just be implanted in their minds by inspiration. And that knowledge has ceased. We believe that it has. Okay. You want to to read real quickly what Kent says? Let's look at Kent. Paul's inspired teaching in 1 Corinthians 14 regarding miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit was limited to the regulation of those gifts, not the duration of them. Passages such as 1 Corinthians 13 and Ephesians 4 deal with the matter of duration of such. The knowledge that Paul... So now get that. He's saying that statement was a regulation for those who had the power, right? Yeah. So understand the context of, of that statement. 1 Corinthians forbid not to speak in tongues. That was a regulation given to people who did have the power to speak in tongues, but it wouldn't apply to those who don't have it. And we've argued why we don't and have it. And we're not forbidding to speak in tongues because nobody can, is right. what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, the, dura- the knowledge that Paul described in 1 Corinthians 13 was not knowledge that comes as a result of the study of God's words, John eight thirty two, John 17, verse 17. The knowledge that Paul discussed in 1 Corinthians 13 was miraculous in nature as discussed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. For one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So there's that miraculous knowledge, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. And he says, the case being that the apostolic age has ceased, uh, such means that all miracles have ceased, which would include speaking in tongues as well as miraculously endowed knowledge. Exactly right. All right, thank you for that, Kim. Okay, all right, so we just got a few minutes. How do you explain, how do you explain, I I, I go to a Pentecostal church. The preacher speaks in tongues. In fact, a number of members speak in tongues. In fact, I have spoken in tongues. How do you explain that? You say, you're trying to tell me that there is no tongue speaking, but I have done it. And in the church that I go to, the preacher and other members, they do it. How, How can you say that there's no speaking tongues when I have experienced it. That's that's the argument we're going to get. That's the pushback we're going to get from some people. So in answer to that, I'm going to say simply that, and, and by the way, I have attended those assemblies. I have been in those assemblies where people practiced tongue speaking and, and, and I've talked... Uh, I think, yes, in fact, definitely, I've been to multiple so-called faith healing rallies where they claimed the miraculous power to heal people. I was thinking, we talked to a guy a couple of times on on the virtual Bible study, a guy who believed he could handle snakes. Remember that, Jacob? Yeah. yeah. Because that, that, that was one of the gifts, too. Well, I mean, that's the thing. If you're going to say this gift still occurs, then what about the, the drinking of deadly things and the snakes? Handling of snakes, yeah. Is that still going on? Boy, you watch that stuff, those videos. It's terrifying. Of course, they do get bit and they do die. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, wow. I, my explanation is going to simply be that it's an over... It's allowing the emotions to run away, that that these assemblies are designed in such fashion to hype up the emotions to a fever pitch. 
And your your emotions can be deceiving. You can believe something that's not so when you allow your emotions to become completely overwhelmed. A, a good Bible example, I think, of, of, of emotionally believing something when it wasn't true is the case of Jacob. When Joseph had been sold into slavery, but his brothers brought his coat and they had stained it with animal blood. And they said, is this Joseph's coat? And, and Jacob said, oh, it is. He's been killed by a wild beast. And he went into an, an intensive period of mourning. His his emotions, he, what he thought about it, what could not have been any more genuine, but his emotions were deceived. He felt it was true, but it wasn't. And I think that that's an explanation to to what people are experiencing in these charismatic Pentecostal type assemblies. Do an Internet search. I didn't have time to do a real thorough one, but do an Internet search and just type in how to, how can, how to speak in tongues. Uh, help. Help me speak in tongues or okay. anything. So I printed off one of them here today. Kyle's, Kyle's doing the search now. No, no. Okay. Uh, so here's here's what they tell you to do. Five. This is five easy steps to speaking in tongues. Wow. Five easy. That sounds interesting. Yeah. You know, the very fact that you would give instructions about it shows that it's not what was in the Bible. Yeah. The in the Bible they didn't have. Okay, now you guys are gonna have to practice. Okay. Here's what you gotta do. You guys now. Day of Pentecost is coming up, and I want you guys to spend a lot of time practicing be, between us. It's a big day. You gotta, you gotta hit it right on yeah. the big day. They, that's not what happened. But here's what it is. So first, get distraction free. Find a quiet place where you can be alone, sit, or lay for at least an hour. Okay. All right. Start trying. Uh, this is the most obvious step. This is where most people go wrong. Open your mouth. Start making syllable and word sounds. It's, in short, start babbling like a baby. <laughs> start exercising your tongue and mind to produce random word parts. You see that? That's what they're telling them to do. Uh, uh, listen for hints. Through practice, you got to practice. Through practice, you will start to gain awareness of your new language, and you will start to notice repetition, lack of diversity in the syllables and sounds you're speaking. The, fir- the f- few sounds you are able to make at first are those most natural to you, uh, and so on. And then he says, ask for increased faith. Uh, many first attempts uh, uh, to speak in my first attempts to speak in tongues were filled with re- simply repeating, Lord, increase my faith over and over again. Mm. That's not a tongue speaking. And then he says, don't overthink it. Doubt cripples faith. So quit worrying about the details. I would tell you, the fact that they would give coaching <laughs> guidance on how to speak in tongues proves that it is not what was done in the first century. Yeah, yeah. What about that? That's amazing. Uh, Kent says, the tongue speaking that happens today is not the speaking of an intelligent language or languages, such as nothing more than a bunch of jibber-jabbering and non-intelligent utterances that is brought on by uncontrolled emotional outbursts. There you go. I think You've got it. documentation that shows it's nothing yeah. but jibber-jabber. So yeah. start babbling like a baby. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. All right, good discussion tonight, uh, Kyle. Any thoughts from you? Uh, it's, it's a good study. I just I've never witnessed it myself, and I uh, I would uh, Greg is I'll be on the lookout for some healing rallies. I'd like to I'd like to I would tell you it's a real experience. That it's a is, very educational experience to go to a faith healing rally. It really is. People should do that just to a lot sh- of this just is. just to see the contrast between what these folks are claiming to do and what we plainly read about in the New Testament. The contrast is stark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was a good study. All right. That, that, thanks for the good discussion tonight. A lot of confusion out there in the yeah. world. Yeah. Doesn't need to be. The scriptures just, are clear. Just go back to like we always do. Just go back to the Bible. Yeah. We're trying. We went back to the Bible to explain what their purpose was, how they were imparted. And we looked at the fact that the scriptures say that these things are going to come to an end. And uh, and so uh, if, if you disagree, though, we'd like to hear from you. Exactly right. Questions at collegeview.com. We hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. We hope you make plans to be back at this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.